I'm Dr. Alex Lloyd and welcome to the Spiritual Laws of Nature. We're in a series right now, the top 10 spiritual laws as determined by our listeners over the last 16 years and they're in no particular order. And today we're talking about addiction versus freedom. Um, I've uh, had the good fortune to be able to travel around the world a good bit um, lecturing and teaching related to my books that I've written and I just love it. I love seeing new places, all the history, the wonderful new people, wonderful people all over the world. And but one of my one of my most fa- one of my favorite uh, conversations happened in Frankfurt, Germany a couple years ago. Uh, we'd been doing a weekend long um, workshop, two or three days of workshop, and then it was over. And a lot of times when that happens. Uh, after it's over, we all go out and celebrate. We'll have a big meal and, you know, that, the way they do it in Europe, it takes about three hours and there's like ten courses, and but it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Well, this particular night was a little bit different. Um, we didn't want to go out for the big, huge meal, uh, so we all went to this little uh, ice cream place uh, because they know I'm an ice cream addict. And uh, it was absolutely wonderful. It was a perfect evening. We were sitting outside and uh, we just had a blast. Four, five, six of us sitting there eating our ice cream, laughing um, uh, with the joy of the workshop having gone well and being over. And during the course of that conversation, uh, I don't remember how it came up about when the Berlin Wall fell. And I'd been going to Europe and Germany for many years, and I don't think I'd ever ask Germans this question. You know, how did it feel when the Berlin Wall fell? What happened when the Berlin Wall fell? Because all of these people were living that I was talking to. And um, it it was absolutely one of the most wonderful conversations I've ever had. And I think it, it pertains directly to this issue of addiction versus freedom. Everybody wants freedom, right? Okay? Of course. We'll fight for freedom. We'll die for freedom. I mean, that's the history of the United States and history of a lot of other countries and a lot of other people uh, as well. Well, if you look at it one way, the opposite of freedom is not just bondage, it's typically addiction. And and that's what I wanted to talk about today so you can see, okay, where am I living and am I living where I really want to? And if not, how do I switch and, and get to where I'm living my life in freedom, my marriage in freedom, my children and my relationship in freedom, my work and career in freedom, okay? Because that I think that's what everyone naturally wants to do. So anyway, um, that subject comes up about you know what happened when the Berlin Wall fell. How did you feel, et cetera, et cetera? And um, it was it was life changing for me. But before I tell you why, uh, let's run through a couple of other things. Um, there are good and bad habits, all right? 
I take CBD every morning in my water. I think that's a good habit. I brush my teeth. I, you know, try to exercise a little bit every day. You know, those are habits, but they're good ones. There's bad habits, okay? For uh, a lot of my life, I've been addicted to Dr. Pepper, a, a soda, okay? And I know that is very, very unhealthy. I'm not right now, but many times in my life I have been. But, but I do have to say that addiction to Dr. Pepper really grew out of a loving thing, loving relationship with my father. Uh, I grew up, we were in the fireworks business, and every summer we'd go to Missouri, and I'd be riding around in an, uh, in an, in a, uh, automobile that was not air conditioned and lots of days it would be over a hundred degrees no air conditioning in, in Missouri in the summer and I mean you would just sit there and sweat all over the vinyl seats or at least I did but every once in a while we would stop at a gas station and uh, my dad would buy me an icy cold Dr. Pepper. Sometimes it even had a little ice in it, and that was even better. And he would get one too. And we would drink our Dr. Peppers, and we would sing. We literally sang songs together. We would laugh. We would talk. It was just a wonderful, wonderful memory for me. And not one, but probably a hundred memories that were all really good and positive. And so... I do believe that's part of my Dr. Pepper thing because to me it's not just a physical taste, it's also kind of going back and touching and remembering that very loving relationship and happy one with my dad. I remember uh, seeing on on TV a, a couple, three years ago, a special about Roy Williams, the uh, a wonderful head head basketball coach at the University of North Carolina. And he had a similar story. He had a Coke machine in his office. And it was like that. He, he, he and his dad used to share a Coke. So he had a Coke machine in his office. I'm sure he gave him away. But I think he also said he has one a day kind of with his dad, being grateful and thankful and remembering and, and things like that. So, um, there's good habits, there's bad habits. A lot of what determines a bad habit is why you do it. Reading is a wonderful habit, but reading all the time is an escape. Maybe not so much. Um, The clients I've had over the last 30 plus years, as you would imagine, they did not come to me um, because of their sense of freedom. They did not come to me because of the good habits that they had in their life. They came to me because of the addictions and the bad habits that they couldn't seem to quit doing. <clears throat> um, I've had a, I, I may have had another addiction in my life, I'm not sure, but I had a hip surgery that um, uh, the doctor said was to repair a birth defect and it was a pretty serious surgery when I think I was about 40 or something. And um, after the surgery, they put me on these really heavy painkillers that I'd never been on in my life. And let me tell you, 
about 20 minutes after taking those two pills, man, I felt this warmth all over my body. I felt uh, kind of zoned out. I mean, I, I did. I thought, I, I like this feeling, okay? And I can absolutely see how so many people could get addicted to opioids or to sodas or to alcohol or to pornography or whatever it is, okay? And we'll talk a little bit later exactly what that is and how to change it. But we, do, we don't look to change our freedom or good habits. It's the addictions and habits, bad habits. But first, we've got to determine, is this a good habit or is it a bad habit? And if I'm going to change it, how do I do that? And then what do I change it to? I remember hearing one of my clients uh, talking about being addicted to opioids. <clears throat> and um, here's what he said, I like the feeling of not feeling. And you know what? I can totally relate to that. After the painkillers that I took um, after my hip surgery, I can relate to it a number of other times in my life. When I've, when I've done a bad habit or an addiction just to sort of zone out for a while, just to sort of get away from uh, my problems for a while, all right? Well, I think there's a better way to handle that, all right? So let's go back to the Berlin Wall. And um, it's after the workshop, we're eating ice cream outside, and, and what was it like? What happened? And they went on to tell me virtually everyone, every single one of them, Okay, everyone that was there said the same thing. That it was the most wonderful thing, one of the most wonderful things they had ever experienced. I, I didn't know if it would be, you know, some animosity toward people in the East, if it would be, um, well, what is this going to do to our economy? You know, all kinds of possible repercussions from that. You know, after Reagan stood up, President Reagan stood up and said, Mr. Gorbachev, take down that wall. <clears throat> and it did come down. Excuse me. <clears throat> well, what were the repercussions of that in East and West Germany? And they told me. They said um, it was one of the most wonderful times of their life for all of them. And everyone they knew and all of West Germany was celebrating, jumping up and down, cheering um, louder than anyone else in the world. Uh, one of the gentlemen I was visiting with who was having ice cream, um, he's become a good friend of mine. His name is Lothar Raptor. And he works for the largest airline in Germany, Lufthansa. And he was telling me that um, after the wall fell, Lufthansa sent jets over to East Germany to bring people back to various cities in West Germany. And it, was a, and it was a situation that no one at the airline had ever seen before. Because what happened is they flew over there, landed, let everybody know that they could come fly to West Germany, and they would come on the planes in droves, thousands and thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people over days, and almost every one of them would, would come on the plane with the clothes on their back and very little else. And then they would say this. 
I'm from East Germany. I would like to go to West Germany, but I don't have any money. And the pilots, the stewardesses, the flight attendants, everyone said the same thing. For you, it's free. And we are thrilled to have you come on in. So they get on the planes and they go land in West Germany and they get off the plane, go out to the street and, and taxis pull up, okay? And they say the same thing. I'm from East Germany and I need a ride, but I don't have any money. And the response was, for you, it's free. So then they go into the city and they uh, are walking around and they need something to eat. They're hungry, hadn't had anything to eat in a long time. So they go to a restaurant that maybe, uh, especially the downtown restaurants, would be $10, $20 maybe. Um, and they go in, I'm from East Germany, I'm hungry, but I don't have any money. You got it. The response, for you, it's free. And anything on the menu that you want is free. Uh, at night, at night, they need a place to sleep. They go to a hotel or motel. Same thing. I'm from East Germany. I need a place to sleep. But for you, it's free. And not our cheapest room, our best room. We are honored to have you. We are thrilled to have you. And I just thought, um, I mean, almost all of them teared up at some point while we were having this discussion. I teared up at at least one point uh, hearing this incredible story that to me is, is kind of the difference between freedom and addiction. I wonder how that felt to be the East German people who, no matter what it is that you wanted, being told with a, with a warm smile, sometimes even with tears in their eyes, for you it's free. We're honored to give it to you. I wonder how that felt. I wonder how it felt for the West Germans to do that, to give that to their neighboring brothers and sisters that they had been uh, separated from in a tragic way, okay? Um, how does freedom feel after confinement? Well, I think it's beyond words. One of those things that's beyond words. Um, I believe a lot of people are not free in their life because they are not doing what they are gifted at. They are not doing what they are passionate about. And I've seen this over and over and over. Um, I'm, I've been so thrilled in the last few years with the rise of, of multiple intelligences rather than just an IQ score, and then they put a label on your forehead based on the IQ score. Well, that's changing now. Yeah, there's still IQ tests, but now many books, lots of research studies uh, supporting the idea of multiple intelligences. And you know what? I don't know that I've ever worked with anyone who did not have a gifting and was not passionate 
about at least one thing in their life. And when they thought about it, they smiled. When they did it, they they smiled and were and were happy. They were doing what they loved. They were doing what they're gifted at. And I believe we do tend to love what we're gifted at. Okay? Now, if you doubt multiple intelligences, um, one of the most unbelievable illustrations to me is Glenn Doman. Uh, he wrote a wonderful book, Teach Your Baby to Read. It was really big in the homeschool circles that my wife and I were in. And it's absolutely incredible. He would take brain-damaged babies uh, who probably none of them would have ever even gone to a regular school, okay, and taught them to do math, to read, and not only, uh, not only to do math, but to do math way beyond the smart kids. For, for, for instance, one thing that's very common in his system is, uh, let's say I had been through his system, teach your baby to read, and it is a system, and teach your baby to do math, and we're driving along, and my parents uh, look over, and there's a field of cows, which is very common in, in Tennessee where we live. What if they had said, hey, Alex, how many cows do you think are in that field? And if I had been taught according to this system, I could look over and say 162 in like two, three, four, five seconds. Not counting, not, not but I, I just look at them and know how many cows, and if you went and counted them, I would be correct. And this is all documented. Go Google it. Teach your baby to read, Glenn Doman, teach your baby math, etc. What's the point? The point is that we are all geniuses. Everyone is a genius. You are gifted and most likely and passionate much more than other people in some area. Now, I know sometimes you got to just do stuff for money, okay? You got to put milk and bread on the table. That's fine. But even if you have to do that, be also doing your gifting and passion as well. Even if it's just as a hobby or on a volunteer basis, or maybe after a while you can work into doing that for a profession, okay? But you need to find what you are gifted and passionate about and I believe not until you start doing that in your life and participating with that in your life will you truly feel free. And I've seen it over and over and over and over. That's where the addictions come from. I'm not doing what I really in t inside believe I should be doing based on my passion and gifting and that hurts and that's what the painkillers that you get addicted to are for. They're either to kill the pain or they're to purchase what I call love substitutes. What are love substitutes? Um, pornography. Instead of waiting for right, meaningful sexual relationship with the person that it's healthy and best for you to have that with. Okay? Uh, 
Dr. Pepper can be a love substitute. Reading can be a love substitute. Like I said before, if you read all day instead of getting out and being with people and building relationships, almost anything that you can name can be a love substitute, an addiction, a negative habit, and as long as those things are ruling your life, you cannot be truly free. And inside, you will know it. To a degree, you are in confinement. You are captive. You are addicted. So, you want proof? Well, a few years ago, Harvard Grant study comes out. uh, Biggest, most expensive, longest study on the human condition ever done at Harvard. Think it was $20 million, 75 years. The bottom line, happiness equals love, full stop. That's it. Happiness equals love. End of discussion. That's it. So if you want to be happy in your life and you can't be happy without freedom, if you want to be happy in your life, it comes from choosing and experiencing and being committed to and living in a place of love as best I can with whatever it is that I'm doing and whoever it is I'm doing that with. If you live that way, you will be happy and free. Even if you're in jail, you'll be free. Free internally, which is the most important. If you do not choose love, though, if instead of that you choose money, you choose uh, uh prestige, you choose fame, you choose yourself, what I want, seek pleasure, avoid pain, etc., you will not be happy. At least not as happy as you can be because you're choosing something that is the substitute for love. The only thing that makes you truly happy is the real thing. Real love. I believe um, when that Berlin Wall fell, people on both sides, east and west, were feeling, experiencing, putting into practice real love in a way that many of them never did as much in their life. And they look back on that time and cry tears of joy and even sometimes long for it again or long to start something new that would have those same kinds of uh, freedoms and loves. Um, How do you break your habit? How do you break your addiction? Well, I'd pray. I would make up your mind that you want to and that's your intention. Then I would get out Trilogy, Memory Engineering, um, uh, turn it into a prayer, activate your vagus nerve, all those things we've talked about until you can start choosing freedom and love instead of confinement and love substitutes. We choose the love substitutes because we're not willing to wait and work for the real thing. So my encouragement this week is take a, take a temperature of how you're doing on this and then ask yourself, am I willing to start today to wait and work in order to get the real thing. 
the freedom that comes from love, the love that comes from freedom. Living your passion, living your gifting, there's nothing like it. Start this week. Have a wonderful, blessed day.